With our eyes closed at this time, oh, can we just come together as a church? Can you just please take a moment um, to pray for the service, and not just for uh, just yourselves, but please pray for me as well. And can we just really ask God right now for protection, and that we will cast aside every distraction in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can we just pray together? God to whom all praise is due, we stand in awe of you. Heavenly Father, we are here today, but gone tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow may bring, but we know that God, we are alive today, and we are well today, and we are in the house of God to worship you, and for that, God, we are eternally grateful. So God, we shift our perspective and change our minds. We renew our minds, knowing that, God, that this service is not about us, but it's about you. So, God, take all the glory and take all the honor. And, God, I pray that you be pleased with the worship and the service that we are offering to you, O oh God. Let our offering and our thanksgiving to you be pleasing, be a pleasing aroma, be a pleasing sacrifice in your sight, O oh Lord. And, God, I pray, God, as you transition now, to the message, I pray, God, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts, O oh God, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, for God, you are our rock and our redeemer, O oh Lord. We love you, we thank you, we praise you today, we give you all thanks and honor. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name we pray, and God's people we pray, amen and amen. Now today, we're supposed to get back into our Philemon, Philemon series, but again, I uh, had another moment where I had to change uh, the message last minute, and it's very similar to last week's message. It's connected. It's a message that's going to be connected from last week's message, and it is called Stand Up Church. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, Stand Up, Stand up. Church. church? What was last week's message? Yes, Wake Up Church today is Stand Up Church. Uh, let's start with our first scripture. We have three main scriptures for us today, starting with the first one. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 through 14. And it says this, Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love second passage galatians chapter 6 9 through 10 tells us this let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up therefore as we have opportunity let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers amen just want to break this down for us, 1 Corinthians and Galatians 6. 
If you focus on 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it says, be on your guard. It's about being strong, right? It's about standing firm in the faith. It's about being courageous. It's about being strong. But it says in verse 14, the second part of that, of that passage, it says, do everything in love. And if you look at Galatians 6, the same thing, similar theme as, as 1 Corinthians 16. Let us not become weary in doing good. It's about being strong. For at the proper time, we reap a harvest if we do not give up. But the second part, which is parallel to 1 Corinthians 16, is that the second part in verse 10, it says, Therefore, as you have opportunity, what does it say? Let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So again, everything is about being steadfast and being strong in our faith, and it's about our love for our neighbors, for the people around us, especially, it says in verse 10 in Galatians 6, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Right now, we're in the same house. Do we all belong in the same family? Yes. Are we men and women of faith? Are we Christian men and women of God? Yes. Therefore, we must especially do good to those who belong to the same family of Jesus Christ. So today, with that, as a family of Christ, as Deep Roots family, I want to talk to you guys about standing up for what is right, especially as a church. There's a quote that says, when you stand for nothing, you fall for everything. Or some people fall for everything because they stand for nothing. And as a church, are we standing up together? Are we standing up for what is right? And what is right? What is right, it means godly. What is godly is what pleases God's heart. Standing up is not always easy. Right, that's why I get in that movie with Captain America, with the Avengers, when Captain America is first introduced. With Loki, he's going, everyone's kneeling, everyone's bending. And this old man, he stands up. Right, because he saw what happened. He saw the war. He saw what these evil men can do. And then Captain America comes and he saves him. And a cool scene. Standing up for what is right is not always easy. However, you must turn standing up for what is right into a habit because habit leads to discipline discipline leads to who you are and what you do makes who you are and who you are influences what you do everything is vice versa from the overflow from the change that you have from the inside it comes to the outside the influence from the outside it will not change the inside because the inside is who you are and is found by the habit and the discipline and it is rooted in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Just like that quote in Batman Begins, it's what you do that defines you. So I have a question to you, men and women of God. Just what do we stand for today in this generation, in this day and age with what, everything that is happening around us, in the world, in the media, in America? Church, what do we stand for? DRC, what are we standing for today? And in 1 Samuel, and we're going to go into our third, and this will be our main passage, the big portion of the passage, we are introduced with a story of a story that we are all too familiar with, and we have grown jaded with this story. We've grown cold from the story because we know, we know this story in our heart. We know this story because we learn since we're young. We heard this story so many times. And I want us to go back and be reminded of this amazing young man named David. It's a story of David and Goliath, a story that we're all too familiar with. And this is a story of humility versus pride, courage versus arrogance, faith versus fear. It's such a magnificent story of a regular, normal, average shepherd boy versus a giant. He does a magnificent thing before God. And it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So let's all turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And this is going to be a little bit of a story time. And I'm going to talk to you guys like elementary students, like we did a long time ago when I did the Ichudongbu. Ichu. Where is it, KP? Ichudongbu. Yes. 
So I, was, I knew it. I was just testing KV. Yeah, see? You got it right. Ichodongbu. And I love preaching to them because they're so innocent. Their heart is so pure. Some of them are not that pure. Some of them are pretty evil. But majority of them are pure and innocent. And let's just go back. And it's going to be a long chapter, a long story. But I would like for us to read the whole thing together. And it will be good for us because we're reading the scripture together. So let's go ahead and dive in together. Story of David and Goliath, starting with verse 1. It says this, Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Demim between Soko and Ezekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. Again, it's about two armies clashing. If you just imagine you ever watch Braveheart, it's about two armies coming together and they're about to go to war. And in verse 4, it says, A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. So that is about 10 feet high. 10 feet. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. That's about 125 pounds. That's like about 58 kilograms. So on his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and his iron point weighed 600 shekels. That's about 15 pounds. His shield bearers went ahead of him. So this guy is a giant. He is a monster. Verse 8, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man, and heaven come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Again, Saul is the king. He is the leader at that time starting from the, the head, the leader, to all the army, the soldiers, from the top to the bottom, oldest to the youngest, they were all terrified and dismayed, the scripture tells us. And we see that Goliath, he's very arrogant. Verse 12, now David was the son of Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the son, the second, Abinadab, and the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. This is a very important description because you see that David, he was not a soldier. He was just a mere shepherd boy. He would go back. He's just a water boy going back, doing deliveries for his father, and he was the youngest. Verse 16, for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain. Just think of like a bag of grain, which is about 40 pounds. So David is pretty strong. 40 pounds, he's just carrying it. And these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Again, David is a water boy. He's a messenger boy. He's a shepherd boy. He's just, doing, he's just running errands. Verse 20. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up the lines, facing each other. 
David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Again, keep in mind of David's character. He's not a slow individual, right? Everything he does, he's just running, right? He's running, running, running. Keep that in mind, the word run. Verse 25, and now the Israelites have been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He also gave him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Again, the soldiers are focused on getting a lot of money. He says, if, if someone comes out and kills this Goliath, then he will give great wealth. He will give his daughter in marriage. Their focus is on that. But David, his focus is not on that. It's not on wealth. It's not on women. His focus is on what? It's about how he defiled the living God. David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine? Removes this disgrace from Israel, who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the man, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. But we see that Eliab is the one that is conceited and wicked, not David. Now what have I done, said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the man answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by his hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Said to David, go and the Lord be with you. You guys with me? Okay, let's continue. We're almost done. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. It's like when Andy, he wore a dance sweatshirt that one time. It was just, it went all the way down to his feet, his ankles, and it just didn't look right. He's just trying to walk around. It did not fit him because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul. Because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of a shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. I wonder how long it took him to find five smooth stones. Remember when you go in the lake and we try to find rocks to skip? It takes forever. So they're just watching David, just picking. Hmm, no, no, no. Just five. But he chose five. Anyways, verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with the shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He, he looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. 
Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give you the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Again, he ran quickly. He's not scared. Verse 49, reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. What happened before? They were so confident, but they were the ones who were scared. Verse 52, Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sharim road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head, brought it to Jerusalem. He put the Philistines' weapon in his own tent. As Saul watched David going out to meet the Philistines, he said to Abner, commander of the army, Abner, whose son is that young man? Abner replied, as surely as you live, your majesty, I don't know. The king said, find out whose son this young man is. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Amnon took him and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. Amen. I love the response of this guy. Amnon, whose son is that young man? As surely as you live, your majesty is about to give him. I don't know. So it just shows you how unimportant, how regular and normal David was. We see from the story that Goliath was a giant with a giant pride, right? He, with ego and attitude and in his gigantic arrogance, he challenged any individual to have one-on-one do with him, just like this clip that I'm about to show you right now. Let's go ahead and watch has this effect on many heroes. Careful who you insult, old king. King, Achilles is not with the army. Where is he? I sent a boy to look for him. We should have our war tomorrow when you're better rested. I should have you whipped for your impudence. Perhaps you should fight him. Achilles. Achilles. Look at the men's faces. You can save hundreds of them. You can end this war with a swing of your sword. Think how many songs they'll sing in your honor. Let them go home to their wives. 
Imagine a king who fights his own battles. Wouldn't that be a sight? Of all the warlords loved by the gods, I hate him the most. We need him, my king. For now. this scepter. Give it to your king. He's not my king. So we see a, a similarity here from the clip and from the story that we just read. Again, for those who are not familiar with the movie and with the story, uh, to Tony, that is not David. That's Achilles. It's a fictional character. Achilles, he's a fictional character. He fights for himself. It's a difference between him and David is that he fights for his own honor, for people to remember his name. But David, he did not fight for himself. He fought for the honor of God and for his people. He stood up when he needed to stand up. So as children of God, we must, we must, number one, stand in spirit. Amen. Stand in spirit. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, stand, stand. In, spirit. in spirit. Let's go to verse 32 to 40. It says in 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by his hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his own sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's Bag and with the sling in his hand approached the Philistine. And we see here that when Saul tried giving his tunic and his armor and his weapons, David, he could not handle it. He takes it off. Instead, David puts on his regular clothing the things that he was used to, and he puts the stones. It says the description is he puts it in a shepherd's bag. And he places on his spiritual armor. So what is the lesson that we can learn from verse 32 to 40 in this point number one? Stand in spirit. A lot of times we try to fight our battles with worldly ways, with worldly discipline, with worldly wits, with our own way, with our own strength, with our own discipline. But you cannot win a spiritual battle without your spiritual armor. 
The lesson here is that you need to put on your spiritual armor. And David, he was very familiar with putting on the spiritual armor of God. When? When did he put on the spiritual armor of God? He never went to war. He's never fought a man before. How did he have his such confidence? How did he stand his spirit? It was when he fought, when he was a shepherd boy, when he was just a shepherd's boy. He said he fought against lions. He fought against bears. When they came, the, the crazy part of it, he seized it by the hair. Can you seize the hair of a lion? If a lion is coming at you, can you seize it by the hair? The confidence and the bravery of this man. And it says he struck it and he killed it. It says in verse 35. So in his own time, during the week, he had his moment. He had his time where he spent and prayed to God, not just on Sunday when we come. We say, God, I'm putting on my spiritual armor just for today. And then when Monday comes, when I go home, I take it off. He always had his spiritual armor on. That is why he could not fit into Saul's clothing. Saul's clothing, it represents the worldly way, the worldly manner. But the sling, the shepherd's bag, who he is, who he was, it represents his relationship, his purity before the living God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18 tells us this. The armor of God. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. If you're first time reading this, this passage, you think, oh, I need to put on an actual armor, a physical armor. No, that's not what Ephesians 6 is talking about. This is a spiritual language so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Goliath was a physical individual, scary individual, but the one behind them was a principality, the darkness of this world that was supporting Goliath. So you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. And that's what David did. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, not some of the armor, but the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Always keep on praying. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. David's experience of his past daily worship with God while he was tending the sheep, while no one was watching, just like us, when we pray during the week, when we wake up in the morning, when we do our Wednesday IPG prayer, when we do Friday IPG prayer, that's where he got his confidence from. When David gave his worship to God, when no one was watching, that's where his courage came to overcome Goliath in that present moment. David was always spiritually equipped. He wasn't just spiritually equipped for that moment of history, but he was always ready. And how sad is it when we try to overcome, try to over, overcome our worldly battles with the wrong weapons. Too often, we fail to fight the good fight with the right weapons with the right armor. We need to put on the full armor of God, amen? David was equipped spiritually, he was always. And what are the right weapons? The right weapons are this, it's simple. It's prayer plus the word, it's the word of God. It's prayer and word, it comes down to that. We must spiritually fight on our knees with the right weapons. So point letter A, spiritually walk daily. Daily. When I say daily, I mean literally daily. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every single day, not just on Sunday alone. 
This applies, this really applies for praise team leaders. It doesn't just come when you come and worship on Sunday. That's it. You put on a performance. It's the overflow of your private worship before God at home. And it will come out on Sunday. David was always spiritually equipped. Spiritually walk daily. Not just during mission trips. Not just during retreats. Your worship is not just Sunday, but daily, Arlene. David always had worshipped the Lord his God while he tended the sheep. And in the overflow of your daily worship, your spiritual worship, you will win the opposition. Whatever that, that temptation or that attack is, you will attack it and you will overcome as David had done. Not last minute Sunday worship. On Sunday I worship. Monday through Friday, Monday through Saturday, I'm gone. Spiritually walk daily. So point letter A. So point letter B, spiritually win today. Again, pay attention to the order. Spiritually walk daily, then you will spiritually win today. If you're not walking daily, don't expect to win your battle today. And if you do that, you will be victorious as David was. Satan is the prince of this world. We live in a, a difficult world, guys. This flesh, this body, with everything that's happening around us, things that are happening in our own homes, with our jobs, tomorrow is never guaranteed. The Bible is very clear. It says, Satan is the prince of this world. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, tells us this, the God of this age which is saying, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So Satan, he is blinding the world from seeing the truth, the true Messiah, our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 tells us, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world, of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Again, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. First Peter 5 8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, Again, he is your enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And we see the story of David where he fought against lions and lions would attack his sheep. So we see an imagery of a powerful adversary or the devil that we fight. The devil that exists is not a weak being. He is powerful. But he is not omniscient. He is not, he is not omnipotent. He is not all-knowing. He is not all-powerful. Our God is all-powerful. That is why David, he was able to overcome and destroy Goliath in that very moment. Do not fret. Because remember the bracelet that Andy used to wear every day he doesn't wear anymore? First John. It's because you don't wear it, Andy. Do you wear it in your ankle? Because it's too big? Okay. Show us later. I want to see it. 1 John 4.4. 4. 1 John 4.4 4 tells us this. Can we all read this together? Ready? One, two, three. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen and amen. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And who is in the world? Satan. But Christ is the one that strengthens us. Amen? Point number two. Again, point number one is stand in spirit. Two is stand in unity. Amen. Stand united. Verse 28, 29. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him as, Why have you come down here? 
With whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? And we have so many of these kind of characters in the Christian community. Accusing, not trusting, bullying, words of abuse. Why so mean, Elia? Why the hate, Elia? Why so divisive? This is your brother. So with that, stand in unity. So point letter A, know your ally. Letter A, know your ally. Just because they're your family members, pay attention. Just because they're your blood does not mean that they're your allies. Know who your allies are. Know your ally. Philippians 1.27 tells us that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. If you're in one spirit, striving together for the gospel, if you're in the family of Christ, pursuing one, our Lord Jesus Christ, then that is your ally. 1 Corinthians 16, 13-14, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong. Focusing on 14, do everything in love. Galatians 6, 9-10, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as you have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We must do everything in love for those who belong in the family of Christ, the family of believers. Know your ally. Letter B, so point B, know your enemy. Know your enemy. Who is your enemy? The devil. First Peter 5, 8, be alert and of sober mind. The scripture tells us it's clear who your enemy is. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Who is your enemy? Satan. 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 Jesus says in Mark 3, 25 to 26, and it's not up on the screen, but if a house is divided, even in your own house, that, the house will not stand. So it says, if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. But we see even with Satan, he is united even with his demons in their goal to destroy you, to destroy us. Therefore, as men and women of God, how important it is for us to stick together and stay together. The wolf comes, the devil comes, will strike, will strike the, sh the sheep, the group, the pasture of sheep. And whoever is the one that is going off on their own by themselves, being a lonely ranger, that is the one that the devil will attack. Therefore, we need the community. We need each other to help one another to bring that individual back to the community of believers. If Satan stands united with his devils, then how much more must we stand together as men and women? of God. Amen? Last point, point number three, is stand in courage. Now, before we continue, we're almost done. I know it was a little long, a lot of information, but can we uh, just go to the person next to us, and can we just kind of give them a little massage, and just a little bit, come on, come on, let's break the ice a little bit. Ronnie, you're like looking early, nope. Just go and just go with you a little massage here and there, like oh, and tickle them a little bit. Jonathan's by himself. <laughs> Josh, just tap, tap, tap. Yeah. All right, we're almost done, guys. We're almost done. We're almost done. We're almost done. Uh, this is an important message for us as a church, especially with everything that's happening around us. Again, the word stand. Okay. Stand in courage. Stand courageously. 
We're almost done. Let's look at verse 41 through 44. Let's hang in there. It says this, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. I thought he was a macho man. What happened? He's this giant, 10 feet tall individual. But who goes in front of him? Who? The shield bearer. So he's not really that brave. Right? He has someone looking out for him. In verse 42, he looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. I'm sure he was shocked. How can someone, after 40 days, a young boy, a young individual, can have such courage, can have such confidence? He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Imagine hearing, come here from this giant. From David's perspective, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Would you go? Would you run? Step forward. But it says David ran. Verse 45, 47, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. That this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I'll give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and will give all of you into our hands. Who won? The talking fight, the mental fight. David here, he's in his head. David just says something like, Goliath, he says something cheesy. I'll give you flesh to the birds. Okay, whatever. And he says, I'll bring the whole army, the carcasses. And he just goes on and on and on. My point is, look at the courage of David. A young boy. Very graphic in what he says he's going to do. And he, he does exactly what he says he's going to do. The courage of this young man. We could all learn. The men who are here in this room. The women who are here in this room. We could all learn from the courage of David's intimate relationship with the father. Verse 48 to 51. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. There was no shield bearer in front of him. He was alone. He was by himself. He ran toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his back, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down on the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that the hero was dead, they turned and ran. David ran towards his enemy, whereas the enemies ran away from David. So, so point A, are you running towards? So point B, are you running away? Are you running towards or are you running away? The question is, are you a man and woman of courage? Are you? Do you run towards or do you run away? The enemy is supposed to be the one that runs away. The, de the devil is the one that's supposed to run away from you because of the one who lives in you, of the relationship that you have with the living God. You should not run away as men and women of God run towards. Closing with this, verse 57, 58, on the screen together, as soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, Abner took him, and brought him before Saul, with David still holding the Philistine's head. I mean, that's pretty gangster. He's still holding the head in his hand. 
Blood is dripping, I'm sure. Very graphic. A young boy. This was every single one. Every one of the soldiers, the oldest men, even his oldest brothers, they were all afraid. When Goliath was defying the name of God, David comes with the head of Goliath. And then Saul asks, verse 58, Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him. David said, I am the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. He knows who he is. He knows his identity. He is courageous. He knows who he belongs to. He knows who he is and whose he is. And he knows who he belongs to. So man and woman of God, stand courageous in Christ with boldness. Stand in Christ. The world will tell you to forsake your God and to follow the world. But how dare we? How can we? After all that we've seen, after all that we've experienced, only with the mission trip, with everything that we've seen through our experiences of our past few years as a church, how can we shrink away? Know who you are. Know your worth. Know who you belong to. Your living God is with you. Stand up, church. No more with your head down, being defeated. But be victorious in your relationship with your Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else matters in this world. If you don't have God with you, everything else is, is nothing. Everything else is garbage compared to the relationship and the knowledge and the relationship that you have with your living God. Do not take God for granted. Do not take the relationship with, that, that you have with God for granted. Do not forsake Him today. But trust Him and seek Him daily and you will win your battles today. Whatever battles may come, you will overcome. For you are always walking with your spiritual full armor of God. Know who you are, whose you are, and who you belong to. With your eyes closed, please say it after me. Know who you are. Know whose you are. Know who I belong to. Who do you belong to? Whose son are you, young man? Whose son are you? I am the son of the living God. Whose daughter are you, young woman of God? Women of God, whose daughter are you? I am a daughter of God. Whose son are you? Whose daughter are you? Our citizenship is in heaven with the living God. Amen? So with our eyes closed, Let me just read the scripture real quick before we pray. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is in their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, Paul says. But Paul reminds us here in Philippians chapter 3, but our citizenship, our citizenship, your citizenship is in heaven with God. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So with confidence and with courage, can we just come together? Can we just stand in spirit? Can we come and stand united in Christ? Stand in unity and stand courageous and with courageous hearts let us come before God as a church let us lift up our voices and pray to our living God and pray to Him and let us pray together let us pray together
belong to you, God, the creator and the living God. So, God, we look to you, God, with confidence and with boldness and with courage. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await our Savior from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. Your citizenship is in heaven. It is not of this world. It is not of the United States of America. It is not South Korea. It is not any other country. That is all secondary. But your main citizenship is your heaven. It's the heaven and the citizenship that you have. Your son, the living son of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, our citizenship is in heaven, oh God. Help us to know our allies. Help us to know our enemy. God, the enemy is the devil. The devil, the roaring lion who looks and seeks for people to destroy. Oh Lord, we are here to defend and to fight and to defend one another in prayer and with the word of God. We love you, oh Lord. We need you right now. We will stand with Christ. We will stand in Christ. We will stand courageous in Christ with boldness like a lion. We will stand in boldness, God, as you were bold and courageous as you went on the cross to die on the cross, to die for us, to shed for us the blood that washes away all of our sins. We stand up, God. Stand up, church. Stand up, church. Stand up, church. Those who are listening, pastors, ministers, elders, lay people, individuals, for those who are serving missionaries, stand up, church. Stand up. Know who's inside you. Know who's with you. Know who walks beside you. The one who is in you is greater and stronger than the one who is in the world. Devil, you have no place here. You have no power and dominion over us. We look to you with confidence and with courage. We look to you, oh God. We look to you, Father. We love you. We need you. And Father, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your love. We love you, God. We need you. Jesus, we need you. We need you today. Father, help us to respond. When someone asks, who are you? Let us not get in the habit of just lifting up our own glory, our own name. But Lord, let us just put you first always, knowing that, God, that I am a child of God, that that comes first before anything else. That, God, that you are our everything, that you are our first, and, God, that you are our last, and you are also the journey in between. You are our beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega. So, God, we commit our hearts to you on this very day, on the 17th of January today. We commit and we give our hearts we recommit our hearts back to you, O oh Lord. And God, I ask for this week and for the weeks ahead that we'll be victorious and God, that we will stand courageous, that we will stand in spirit, that we will stand united in boldness with the name of our Lord and the banner of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God, with that, we pray all these things in your precious Son. We pray in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. We're going to sing, I stand, I stand in all of you. Remembering the word stand with the message, the title, Stand Up Church. And let's just make this our worship and our praise before God. Can we just sing together? I stand, I stand. Can we all change the words to we stand, we stand in all of you as a church? Sing together.
Savior.